0: Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason, with a nice short episode for you today. And it's going to make you think, it's going to make you ponder, and frankly, it's going to make you possibly a little bit mad talking about real estate ownership as it relates to the business of agriculture. You know, I just had on Acre Trader um, uh, here recently as a guest. We talked about investing in ownership. I had on a Halderman management people talking about real estate values in agriculture back uh, at the beginning of the new year, 2021. Now we're talking about the future. And this came to me as I've read about five articles now talking about this guy, Bill Gates. So what's Bill Gates and company going to do to what happens out here in agriculture land. Meaning, are we going to be more and more controlled by the one percenters or the upper one tenth of one percenters who can swing a big bat legislatively and with their finances. So we're gonna delve into that a little bit today and I want you desperately to uh, think through some of this and, and look at some of the stuff that I'm seeing and reading because um, frankly I'm a little concerned. But before we get into our discussion, Let's remind you that this episode of the Business of Agriculture is brought to you by Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution that works as hard for your agricultural enterprise as you do. The whole goal when Nick Horeb started Harvest Profit was a software for your accounting, for all the things you have to manage. You know, your assets, your your farm ground, your rents, your income, your outflows. There's a lot of crap going on there, man. You need a software solution that is sophisticated enough and easy enough to use to make it so that your agricultural enterprise can thrive. Go to HarvestProfit.com for a free 14-day trial. Okay, I talk a bit about land, but you know, I want to go from the very beginning here. The very basis of all agriculture right now, it starts with soil, it starts with land. Uh, we can't raise animals if we don't have food and feed for them, whether it's regenerative pasture or whether it's conventional corn, um, we need soil. We need soil to grow the trees for all the the fruits and the, the tree nuts that we, that we use. We need soil for the grapes to make our wine. We need soil to make barley and uh, hops so we can have our beer. Everything begins with soil, right? And so we've known that for a long time. And I've been around agriculture, obviously, my whole life. And I remember hearing people say things at the auctions that you'd go to way back 20, 30, 50 years ago and say things like, oh, I buy some of that dirt, ain't making any more of it. And that's a bit true. You know, there's only so many acres of arable land in the world. Truth is, in South America, they are making more farmland by uh, busting up the the prairie or still somewhat uh, deforesting. But in reality, that's not as big of an issue as we might have used to think. So while it's accurate that we're not making any more land, it's also it needs to be pointed out that we are getting so much better with the land that we have, meaning we went from 40 bushels of corn to 240 bushels of corn in, uh, in prime Indiana soils, let's say. So we don't really need as much land, but we still need land. And then as you've heard me say over and over in the Business of Agriculture podcast, in my book, uh, Food Fear, I address this whole thing about the realities of population. Are we going to really see 9 billion humans on earth? Right now, it's 7.7 billion. Are we going to get to 10, 11 billion? The United Nations most alarmist uh, prediction that we're going to have up to 17 billion people. Come on. So do we really need all this land? Well, the reality is, we do need good land. While there's tons of acres out there, some of it's been degraded, um, some of it's gonna revert, some of it needs to revert, frankly, going back to forest or prairie or range or whatever, because it has a high water demand. So what I think we're going to see, and this is my analysis, I'm a guy that travels around North America, pays attention to a lot of agriculture, land that is good soils, very productive, and does not need a tremendous amount of irrigation. Because there's going to be an increasing battle over the whole usage of water, you know In the old days we went out to the whole plains and just you know punched a hole in the ground and pumped out the Ogallala aquifer And that's going to be more and more of a hot-button issue It has been since the 70s and 80s when the environmental movement came in. It's only going to worsen So demand for good land the world over seems to be picking up. You're saying all right, Damien, I, I got your analysis about all this uh, What are you trying to say? Well? First off, if you're a landowner, you're right now doing pretty well. Uh, It's uh, not going up tremendously in value, like it hasn't quadrupled or gone up 30% like the stock market has uh, in the last year, but it is doing pretty well. Institutions do own land, and what am I talking about? Let's say you're a very, very wealthy family, they have what they call family offices. They meet with investment advisors and say, hey, you know what, we've got the black sheep of the family who's just uh, traveling around with the, you know, the Grateful Dead. I know they don't exist anymore. Uh, we gotta make sure that uh, we give them a stipend and then we've got all this. So there's a lot of money out there that chases investments every day, right? And." It seems that increasingly, those pension funds and family monies and large wealth uh, and sovereign nations even are looking at agricultural property. Oh, I hear the rumbling among my friends in agriculture. Is it true that China's buying up our land in the United States? I, I don't know that that's actually happening much, and I've certainly not seen anything that factually points out a, a big run on ag land by the Chinese. But pension funds... Uh, you know, they've got a whole bunch of money. They've got to do something with it. They, they take it in for all these years when the teachers' employees pay into it, and then, or the, the taxpayers pay into it for the police, teachers, whatever. Then they've got all these monies to manage. So this has been happening for a while. You know, they would go and invest into different stuff. Insurance companies look for stuff that is safe and put money into investments. This has been going on for a long time in agriculture. Forest land, um, forest for uh, You know, for timber and for paper has happened. But we're seeing it now from the likes of the very rich. And that's where I bring up this Bill Gates thing. I've been a little bit harsh on the Bill Gates thing, and I'm going to tell you why we all ought to be just a little concerned. When it is the Canadian Public Employees Pension Fund that wishes to buy land in Alberta, that's pretty well you understand it. They've got a billion dollars. They've got to do something with it. they got to get a return so they can continue to pay that money out to the pensioners. um, You can get that. And an insurance company, you know, whatever. Some large insurance company says we've got a whole bunch of money. We've got to make sure there's a return on that money, so that way when we have insurance claims, because life insurance, whatever, whatever, we've got to be able to pay that money out. You can understand that. You can understand family office, big, big money from uh, you know some group that says our family has a hundred million dollars. We've got to put it into different things. So we've got a stock fund, a bond fund, mutual funds. We've got uh, commercial real estate, and we also have some farms. But why do Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, why do these people want to own farmland? Well, obviously there's the return. There's the reality that they can look at just like any of us and say, okay, we're not making any more of it. But then the reality is we're going to stop using some of the more marginal stuff. You know, if you're in the upper peninsula of Michigan and it's uh, rocky and you get shallow soils and it's winter nine months of the year, are you really needing to plant corn up there? Well, of course not, because we can grow so much more corn per acre now in Nebraska or Iowa or whatever. So it's the prime acres that are probably going to get grabbed up. And that looks to be what Bill Gates is doing. Bill Gates it came out earlier this year is the biggest landowner, a farmland owner, in the United States of America, pushing a quarter of a million acres. Put in perspective, we farm the actual farming part of our land, about 340 million acres in the United States, 900 million farm and ranch land acres, but only about one-third of that, or a little more than one-third of that, is in the productive crop production, trees, row crops, etc. So 250,000 acres is a lot of acres. It's a lot of money, depending on how you value it. It's across about a dozen states, if you look this up. You know, Washington state, where he's from, even my home state of Indiana, uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, the Corn Belt, the Plains. It's about a dozen states. But why am I concerned? Damien, you're a capitalist. You believe, you know, money and marketplaces and economics should work themselves out. They should. And that's why Bill and Melinda Gates can go out and buy farmland and have done so and probably have paid a premium in some places to do so. They've been at this for about 25 years. That's right. You didn't know this. But in the mid-90s, they started putting this whole cobbling, this whole thing together because they had so much money. They hired a guy named Larson. Michael Larson, I think, is the man's name, a Wall Street guy that had been an investment manager for a long time and said, here's a bag of cash. We got to get diversified out of Microsoft. So that's what they've done. Why am I concerned? I'm concerned because billionaires that pose as philanthropists sometimes don't pass my sniff tests. I get the same feeling when I watch televangelists. I get the same feeling when I watch politicians who profess to be altruistic and care so greatly about my well-being when they push new regulations onto me. And Bill Gates seems to be. Certainly the the Davos, you know, with the Switzerland thing where they all get together and they they talk about how they're leaders. In case you're not familiar, just Google Davos, D-A-V-O-S, and you'll see what I'm talking about. The, the political aristocracy aspires to be invited to the Davos gathering. And then the technocracy, the Jeff Bezos and the Bill Gates of the world. And then of course there's even people from entertainment, the, you know, the the rock star like Bono who's made so much money that now he can fly around his private jet and talk about the evils of climate change. When those people, the ultimate fraction of one percenters. Talk about things like resets and talk about game changers and talk about what the world needs. They're not talking about what might be in your best interest. They're talking about saving you from yourself, saving us from our terrible agricultural practices, um, and ultimately making the world a better place. But If you ever notice a lot of the proposals, there's philanthropy behind it, but usually there's something self-serving. And that particularly is the case in Bill Gates, who I think if you keep looking into his entire life and the way he structures things, he's very brilliant at pushing off and passing off philanthropic philanthropic initiatives that are actually somewhat self-serving. So let's talk about these acres. These acres that Bill Gates owns, He has a lot of influence. He's the fourth wealthiest human on the planet. 130 plus billion dollars. You can buy a lot of influence when you have that sort of money. So I'm gonna tell you about my concern with where that money goes for all of us in agriculture. But before I do that, speaking of money, I have to make a little bit by telling you about my sponsor, because this is a shorter episode today, they still get three mentions because they're a brilliant company and I so appreciate them. I'm talking about Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit, the software company that says, hey, you've got an agricultural enterprise, ultimately you want to be profitable. How do you do that? You manage your money. It's great you know how to go out and plant corn. Fantastic, but this is a business after all. How do you manage it? How you manage your business ultimately will determine the success of your business. You got enough things you can't rely on, whether government programs changing all the time, whether your helpers and laborers are gonna show up, but you can control your business and how you go about managing it on the financial side. Go to harvestprofit.com for a free 14-day trial. Talking about money, if you've got 130 plus billion dollars and you've got all these assets and you've got all of this connection The ability to call about any politician and maybe influence regulation, though it also is regulation that benefits you, benefits your assets. And then also, what if you are so wealthy, you think in terms of the world can't be better without me doing something. You see, there is this little syndrome. Those that become ultimately extremely wealthy sort of believe that somehow they're supernatural. Has Bill Gates got this going on? I'm not sure. But this idea that they are so successful that they must do something to change the course of humanity, to change how society operates, to change how agriculture operates. So he's worked in third world countries at getting safe water, which is a very noble thing to make sure that some of the poorest among us in third world countries can have safe potable water. That's a good thing for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But what about this ownership of all this land across a dozen states? What do they want to do? Well, it's my prediction that what Bill Gates wants to do is change how we go about farming, how we go about doing what we do. And it's also my prediction because he is a very well-connected person who looks at business and looks at his own business and says, how can I benefit myself while benefiting humanity? And maybe I can do this through the regulatory process. Remember, he's a big proponent for electric vehicles. He also has invested in battery factories and in mining operations for the chemicals they need to make batteries like nickel, cadmium, lithium, huh? So environmental, so environmentalist that you're going to be an investor in mining operations and and processing these nasty, heavy metals? I thought electric vehicles were good for the environment, Bill. Well, they're also good for his pocketbook. Same thing with meat. You've heard this. It just came out in February. Bill Gates delivered an interview with MIT, that's the Massachusetts Institute of Technology's uh, publication, and said that he believed. Residents of wealthy nations should switch to a 100% synthetic meat consumption model for the good of the environment. Meaning you would have to eat fake beef, lab-raised protein, plant-based burger. Now here's what's interesting. He even said in that article that many people just thought it was his conviction that he just thought this. He said, but it won't be easy because a consumer may not want this product, even if it's price competitive, he goes on to talk about. It comes down to flavor and price, right? And what if it's not as good tasting and it's also more expensive? Then he said, to achieve 100% synthetic meat consumption in wealthy nations, it might require regulation. Ah, now we see the real true colors of someone like Bill Gates. He's calling for regulations on what you and I can eat. Well, if there's regulations on what you're allowed to eat, that's the demand part of agriculture. The supply part then is completely impacted, right? It involves then, if there's a regulation on what you're allowed to eat, what is there also then a regulation on? What you're allowed to produce, which means dairy farms, beef farms, maybe pork operations are no longer allowed to be in business because there's nowhere to go with their, con- their product. You see, I am concerned about the billionaire class and I don't resent wealth. I'm a poor farm kid, remember, done pretty well for myself and I I believe in the power of economics and the power of capitalism. But the problem is when you're talking about folks like Bezos and, and Bill Gates, they can circumvent the forces of an actual capitalism or an actual free market because they have so much money. We live in a transactional government country, folks, I know I vote, you vote, I know I tear up over the Star Spangled Banner just as much as you, but guess what? The reality is those career politicians have their handout, and they work for the highest bidder. Bill Gates can be the highest bidder. So what I'm concerned about is this land ownership is going to then have a lot of dictates on what is allowed to be produced, how it's allowed to be produced. And then he will use that as the chip. As one of America's biggest farmland owners, I believe we should do this, this, and this. And what if it's those practices, those regulations that benefit him but might hurt someone else? Ah, there you see it. Because one size doesn't always fit all, right? What works for Bill Gates' bottom line on all of his quarter of a million acres might not work as well for you or me or anyone else. But if it's passed off as altruistic, save the humans, do what's best for the environment, he gets cover. Only about 2.2% of all of America's farmland is owned by institutions. Um, Is this going to increase? I say yes. My finding, this is by the way, an article out of the Financial Times. I encourage you to look it up. Just go in and Google Bill Gates Financial Times farmland. You can find this article. It gives you some pretty good information. Uh, Another thing to consider is, will we see regulations in the places like the more agricultural areas, regulations against who can own the land? And that would go very counter to what we've typically done in this country where we let the marketplace work itself out. But Saskatchewan did it five years ago. The province of Saskatchewan passed a rule that said they didn't want any more Canadian public pension funds coming in bidding up the land. Because then of course, they not only lose lose the the usage of the land, they didn't have to rent it from those entities, but you lose control. And that's where I think we're gonna have a real issue with the Bill Gateses of the world, where they want to then not only control it, but they want to control the practices. And they want to use it, in my opinion, as a bargaining chip toward greater legislation. So where this goes is, it starts with saying, I'm concerned, I I care about humanity. I want to change how we farm for the better. I want to then dictate to the people that I want to operate on my 250,000 acres, how they can farm. That's his right. As a landowner, I tell my tenant certain practices that we will and will not do. That's completely okay. But what if it then is I'm going to use my significant influence to meet with my congressman or our senator and push through legislation and regulation about how those things happen? And what if the bigger play here is environmental stuff? That if Gates sees that there's not only the return on cash rent and the return on appreciation of the land, but there's also this opportunity, this looming big thing that we've talked about before here on the Business of Agriculture podcast, We've talked about carbon payments. And what if, as I predict, Microsoft will be one of the early big companies that, as environmental policy under the Obama administration, I'm sorry, the Biden administration, gets pushed through, and we hear more and more about green new deals, what do you want to bet that Microsoft comes out here in the next 30 days and talks about it's time for us big corporations to start making payments to offset our carbon. Ah, it's already happening, right? But what about a company that's that big? And then he leads the charge for tech companies that should be forced to pay for carbon offsets. Ah, so while he's grandstanding and helping his own holdings in Microsoft, he's also enriching himself on his own acres. What if also then there are certain practices that need to be adhered to? And then it becomes a regulatory environment. That's what I think we're dealing with when we look at the billionaire class coming to a farm near you. Ultimately, there's not probably gonna be regulation in the United States against this because those entities that are doing it, we're not talking about Saskatchewan versus a Canadian public pension fund. We're talking about a technocracy that already can buy and wield influence in Washington, D.C., so the idea that there's going to be regulation it would have to be at a state level. And does a state actually want to then regulate who can and cannot buy farmland? So I see greater, I don't see that happening. I just see more regulation coming at the federal level of what we're allowed to do on our property and it'll be pushed for and even championed by the likes of Bill Gates. Am I concerned? A little bit. Because he showed his true colors on the beef thing stating that regulations would be need to be required uh, To get us away from eating beef means that this guy with possibly a god complex thinks It's his role and his right to actually control the diet of you your family and then thereby controlling what we in the business of agriculture are allowed to produce for our customers Whatever they want doesn't matter. It's what he's going to allow them to have. So where does this go? I stay tuned. I, um, I, I I've been ta- keeping up with the Gates thing a lot because I see this more and more coming to agriculture. And we haven't seen this for a while. You know, those those uh, the billionaire class didn't usually chase this. Pension funds did. Insurance companies did. Some family offices did. Uh, you know, there, there's always somebody. You probably farm some ground for a well well off family. That's fine, but it's different when it looks like there's an agenda behind it. It's different when it looks disingenuous. And that's my problem with Bill Gates coming to a farm near you. All right, this is uh, the Business of Agriculture podcast. I really appreciate you being here. I will have more great shows coming up for you, as always. Got some great guests lined up. I've got a genetically engineered salmon uh, interview lined up. I've got some political stuff gonna give us a scoop on what to expect going forward here out of Washington, D.C. and a whole bunch of other great topics that we'll be covering. This episode was brought to you by Harvest Profit. I already told you about them. Go to harvestprofit.com and see if they have, it's a free 14 day trial. You can use the product for 14 days and see if it works for you and then you'll run it through the test right there in your farm office. Till next time, I appreciate you joining me. Thanks, and I will keep you informed as I see it on this topic right here. Till next time, it's the Business of Agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, food fear, or do business better, go to DamienMason.com.